Rahim. Alhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream in which we are discussing today the manners of Sayyid al-Kawnayn alayhi afdalu salati wa taslim the manners of the Prophet peace be upon him. How was the Prophet peace be upon him in all his different affairs and we are now opening up on Instagram on YouTube on Facebook and all these platforms after we had an amazing uh, story and talk yesterday if you didn't if you missed that one ooh you don't want to miss it it was really 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 good uh, Sheikh Hashim Ahmed somebody who really is just a paragon of istiqama what we would call istiqama all right, istiqama is the idea and the concept of being steadfast for years. And I have to be honest with you. Um, today, this morning, as I was going through my email, I had I had uh, subscribed to some people that I knew and in the past, and they got these newsletters. And every once in a while, you open up the newsletter. But I was actually pretty upset because I saw the deviation of somebody who. I always considered him a good brother. We just had diff- we differed on a lot of things. We never really knew each other. Knew each other, crossed paths a couple times, uh, online and on the phone. Never met him in person. But the deviation of this brother has basically put him outside of Islam, which really gave me like, you should always be upset about that. And he was somebody who never had a Muslim family. I don't think so. That's probably part of it. Um, no matter how bad you get, if you have a Muslim family, someone in the family is going to say enough is enough, right? Um, they're going to pull you, they're going to reel you in. You're going to have too many interests to, to, to deviate too far. But subhanAllah, it really makes us think that we got we to gotta go for istiqama. The long game is really all that matters. The long game is, is the concept of istiqama, that you're steadfast for decades on end. I'm not going to talk much about this brother. I mean, I could because everything he said is public. Uh, but there's no point in drawing attention to it except that he had actually waged war online battle with one of the scholars of Islam or one of the people of... Many people consider them one of the great dua. And now he's fallen into the exact same thing. But like on steroids now. Like to a way, instead of a leaning... He's like on steroids and it's full-blown kufr. So he's, I, we don't, we don't, people don't even call him a brother anymore because he's on kufr. So um, I just don't understand. Um, it makes me, it makes me, I'm not even angry because he's not a threat to misguiding other Muslims. But what I am is pretty shocked and and shaken. To be honest with you, you see someone fall off the path of the deen, you, sh- you, sh- you should be shaken up. This is the most important thing we have. And to see that people just fall off like this, it's like, shh. This never used to happen in the past. In the past, I told guys before, in the past, if, a, if, one, of our, if one of the youth, if one of the youth was just listening to music and had a girlfriend, he was gone. He was model. He was astray. That was it. That was the like the limits. But today, it's people just just direct bid'a mufassiqa, bid'a mukaffira, etc. 
Let's open up to Shema'il al-Tirmidhi. Page 40, uh, chapter 48. Okay. Um, I didn't want to say the person's name because I didn't want to look just like, like one of these... I don't want to have a slanderous attitude, even though it wouldn't have been slanderous. But you know how the, some of these people, they, um, they have these types of live streams, podcasts, whatever, and then they, you know, um, bash somebody. I didn't want to go that route. He's also um, not really, a, I don't think he's a threat to anybody. I don't think anyone's paying attention to him. He's got such... When I looked at his page, like nobody's commenting or liking or retweeting anything he has to say because it's all nonsense. But uh, people would pay attention to him for entertainment purposes. Like, not not entertainment-like, but edutainment. You know, let's see what he's got to say today, that type of attitude. And it just went off and off and off and off. And then today, I just discovered that, wow... This is full-blown disbelief at this point. Um, the things that he's negating and doing. And what he was attacking one of the shiuch of Islam for, he's doing it times 10. But still making fun of them. Be careful who you make fun of. Be careful who you try to destroy. Because it's going to come around to you. And never, never mention somebody who is upon any misguidance except that you make drop for them and yourselves. I don't care who it is. Even Abu Layth, when we talk about it, may Allah guide him and us. All these other people, may Allah guide them and us. Because if you have that idea, bid'ah mufassiqa, bid'ah mukaffira, bid'ah, even bid'ah khafifa, fisq, public sinning, ghafla, heedlessness, anything. You always say, may Allah guide them and guide us. Okay. Um, so I didn't want to mention this guy's name. I didn't mention his name yet. So um, because by the way, it's it's if I mention his name, he'll if you if five people here look him up, that'll probably be um, Mike isn't as crisp. Mm. Ryan will check that out right now. Um, if five people looked him up, that'll be more than yesterday. That all the attention he had yesterday, because he gets no more attention anymore. So, باب ما جاء في خلق رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حدثنا عباس ابن محمد الدوري حدثنا عبد الله ابن يزيد المقرئ حدثنا ليث ابن سعد the great ليث ابن سعد scholar of Egypt حدثنا أبو عثمان الوليد ابن أبي الوليد عن سليمان ابن خارجة عن خارجة ابن زيد one of the great علماء فقهاء السبعة okay. Someone is saying turn down the gain maybe Just to fix the, the audio Obsolete says Mike is Krispy Kreme Mashallah. Yeah maybe if their volume is up and the Maybe it's So Kharija ibn Zayd ibn Thabit Just FYI for any Maliki out there And any person in Hadith Remember this this name, Kharija ibn Zayd. He is one of the Fuqaha is Saba. What are the Fuqaha is Saba? The seven jurists of Medina. That they were the Shura of Omar ibn Abdul Aziz, 
their fatwa to Malik is when they agree upon something, that is the sunnah. That is the fatwa. Okay, Sophia, maybe um, maybe I'm not up to date on their followership because Sophia is saying that the person that I have in mind has a lot of followers, Allah Adam. But um, anyway, I was just shaken up to see him. I, we should always be shaken up when we see these types of things and ask Allah af afiyah and salama. And may Allah Ta'ala let us live and die in Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Bi qurrit ayn fil mali wal ahli wal walad bi ijab al-da'wah وبي محبة الرسول وخدمة الأمة والسعادة في الدارين آمين قال دخل نفر على زيد بن ثابت A group of people came upon Zayd bin Thabit Now who's Zayd bin Thabit? He's the scribe of the Prophet When the Prophet arrived in Medina He found this young man He's very good at languages And he writes very well So he became the Prophet's scribe And then he says That we entered in upon Not he says But the group of people came in upon Zayd bin Thabit فَقَالُوا لَوْ حَدِّثْنَا أَحَدِيثَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم. Tell us about the Prophet He says مَاذَا أُحَدِّثُكُمْ What can I tell you? كُنْتُ جَارَهُ I was his neighbor فَكَانَ إِذَا نَزَلَ عَلَيْهِ الْوَحْيُ بَعَثَ إِلَيَّ فَكَتَبْتُهُ لَهُ As soon as he received revelation he would send for me and I would come and, and he would I would write it for him فَكُنَّ إِذَا ذَكَرْنَا الدُّنْيَا if we sat and we talked about some matter of the dunya, he would talk to us a matter about. Uh, he would talk to him, to us about it. Like he would not say, oh, no, no dunya here, only deen." He wouldn't say this. The prophet, if he talked about dunya, he'd talk with us about the dunya. Now, if we talked about the akhirah, if we are talking about akhirah, he mentions akhirah. If we bring up food, talk about food. Okay. All this I tell you about the Prophet. See what the commentary says here. The commentary is only in the English translation. Okay. The Prophet character was that. Whatever people were in his gathering were speaking of, he didn't, he didn't, was not one of those who controlled the subject of the discussion. He was not one of those who um, insisted that things be only on the deen either. Okay. The commentary that we're reading from does, is, is by Maulana al Kandahlawi, Muhammad Zakari al Kandahlawi. And he says, in this hadith, many things are mentioned. Okay. And that the humility of a person is that he does not try to control the conversation all the time. Whatever people want to talk about, you talk about. So these are from the, the gatherings of the Prophet, peace be upon him. If someone was talking about a worldly activity, well, why is that important? Because we live in the world, right? This is so important. The pre Sayyidina Umar wanted to live. Why did Sayyidina Umar want to live in Risala, or sorry, Ibn Abi Zayd's book on, you know, he has a book in which he mentions sayings of Malik, like random sayings of Imam Malik. One of the beautiful ones is that Malik cites about Sayyidina Umar, right, he did not want to die. He wants to stay in this world. And Sayyidina Umar used to say, 
we grow the akhirah in this world and we only get one chance. Why would I want to die? I want to, to grow my deeds in this, my, my deeds of the akhirah. I want to grow them in this world. I want to feed that. Yeah. And so the Prophet ﷺ discussed worldly matters. The, he discussed the marketplace. Different foods were brought up amongst him. Neither did he praise them nor did he blame them, but he did speak about them in anything beyond that. Right? And he was the... Uh, Zayb bin Thabit was the neighbor of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And being the Prophet's neighbor, you see him in uh, many more um, states. And that's the way of, of, of being with our shiuch. To be with a sheikh, oftentimes in the West, it's viewed as something that you can only do like once or twice. Like you're going to, like for short periods of time. Like I saw the sheikh at the majlis. I saw the sheikh. But in the old times and in the times of the prophets, to be a disciple of the sheikh, you saw him in all of his states. That's where you truly learned how to live. And you truly understood the crux of the deen. So to be mindful that sometimes us, we might see the sheikh in like one old, one session, right? And we only see him in the maqam of a sheikh. In the dars, in the majlis, what have you. That's actually not healthy at all. What works and what's healthy is to see the sheikh and have a, him as a guide in all matters of life. So when he's receiving guests, I see him. When he's handling his kids, I see him. When he's out and about, I see him. Because that helps you understand where am I going? Okay. Like what's life like? What do I do in these situations? And that's where the Messenger Wasallam's close companions that's why they truly understood the deen because they saw the prophet in all okay of his states and here he says i was the prophet's neighbor so i was there all the time and i get to see all of the prophet's states and that's what's important that's what matters and it's rare for us here in the west because there are not many shiuch around and and this the celebrity view of the sheikh is not good at all now, there is, a, there is one type of view that's good, which is where there's a distance with the sheikh. In other words, the heba or the awe of the sheikh is always there. That's very good. But for close disciples to learn and to understand, they need to see the sheikh intimately in all of their settings. And I remember uh, Habib Omar's son said to one of the youth, he said that he sees all these murids coming and all these things, and he's like... They, then they go and they talk about, you know, you know, the dean and they talk about the sheikh and they're like, he doesn't really, they don't, none of them really understand my father. Of course, we're not going to understand him like you do, right? Because that's your dad. But what he meant by that was that my father's very simple. Just practice the dean as best as you can. None of this is for show. None of this is except that it's just for benefit. Like, it's just uh, no formality. Very simple, right? I think that's pretty much what he was saying. Right, rather than creating a, a like a specter or creating a uh, an image that's sort of not true, in the sense that uh, you're missing. It's not true in the sense that it's half the image. The other half is all the humble and the basic stuff that the sheikh has to do too, and the way he lives his life too. And sometimes people they get disappointed. They're in a bit of a fairy tale mo fairy tale mode. So when they see the sheikh in his regular persona. He drops in their view. That's a great sign of immaturity. That that you imagine that 
to be a sheikh and a wali, you're always in a state, in a certain condition, in a certain state. Whereas the truth is that awliya Allah, they're in many different states and conditions. And they do very simple and bland things. And they have everyday life. That's one of the things that I, um, um, I take from this hadith. He says here that all of this, Zayd bin Thabit has this perspective because he always was always at the Prophet's house. He was always there. Right. There were nine Sahaba that wrote the Wahi. Nine companions. Who wrote the Wahi alongside Zayd bin Thabit? Nobody wrote it like Zayd. Zayd was the, the most important one. Who else wrote the Wahi? Sayyidina Uthman, Sayyidina Ali, Sayyidina Ubay bin Kaab, Sayyidina Muawiyah, Ibn Abi Sufyan, Khalid ibn Sa'id, Hanzala, Ala al-Hadrami, Aban ibn Sa'id. They wrote the wahi from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now what does it mean that the Prophet, it might seem that it's useless conversation for the Prophet to talk about the marketplaces, prices, but it's so important for imams to be aware of economics because a lot of our iman goes up and down on the basis of economics and and it's important to give people a warning and it's important to people to show people how economics works okay business you the success success in business is never random you have to understand this there is a formula success in business is a formula one of the formulas is do you have mentors who have succeeded Success in suluk, success in fiqh, success in bodybuilding. Don't try this stuff by yourself. Get mentors, get shiyu, get get teachers to show you the way and listen to what they have to say. Like there, this is one of the most important things. Okay, listen to what they have to say. Don't. How many people have out there tried to lose weight all by themselves and they've been losing the same fifteen pounds for thirty years? Then I got some of my friends, I blink, and they're looking like models. What the heck happened to you? Oh, there's a guy out, and, and he's got me on a program. And he, you know, he pays him, and he follows his program. Knowledge. That guy had knowledge. You don't know stuff. You're just shooting in the dark. So don't shoot in the dark in business, in health, in dean. To have a mentor is one of the keys in business and as someone who's done the same pretty much the same thing that you're doing pretty much so that you can have a clue right what's going on if the all the greats had mentors even steve jobs i think he gave like 10 percent. no he gave 30 percent of apple he gave one third of apple to a guy one third for himself and one third for wozniak then that guy, after like a year or two, he sold the 30%. That guy would have been like a billionaire several times over, right? I can't remember his name. But he, he was like a regular like rich guy in California in his 80s, 70s and 80s when Apple just boomed off like that and became what it became. And they always joke about like, like how in the world do you sleep at night? knowing that you had 30% of the world's biggest company. There's more money in the banks of Apple than in the banks of the United States. And you basically gave it away. He sold it for $30,000 back to Steve Jobs. You just had it. 
I think he sold it for 30K. Back to Steve Jobs. He says, I can't think about it for a moment. I just have to say, that's what it was. Uh, A brother here, that's his name, a brother. He must be Egyptian. He says, there's a guy who had 10,000 Bitcoin. And he bought, used it to buy a pizza. So. (laughs) Crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff. That's how life is. But success is never something, in my opinion, it's never, like, insane success, like, out of this world success, I think there's there's just some luck involved in that. But general success, like, general, generally, I could say someone is successful, has a formula. And kids who go astray, not in the dean, but in their manners and their life, there's a form, there's a reason. There's always a reason. Allah Ta'ala doesn't just put something in the dark like that. Like, it's never by chance. These basic things are not by chance. Immense and crazy success, yes, that could be, you could say that there has to be some just, you can't establish that. There's some, not luck, but we're going to say fortune in that. But just general success, it's a formula. And general failure is always a formula. Okay, So you just got to learn the formula. So that's why the Prophet ﷺ did engage, he did engage in worldly discussions. And he talked about prices, all right? He talked about foods. Because foods, you know, there could be health and unhealth. And the prophet did hold that if you eat a, a warm, a heat-producing food, you should also eat it with um, with a cool-producing food. Somebody asked me, what about luck? Well, luck, it depends how we define it. That we do have a concept of hav in Islam. Hav is a, in Islam, is a word that means something that Allah gave you without any action from you. That's what it means. Hiba is a skill that Allah gave you. Karam is reward that Allah gives you for effort. And it may be more than you deserve. But hav, it's okay to say hav, and if you mean that's what you mean by luck, then that's acceptable theologically because the word hav means something that Allah gave you, like a one-time gift, not an innate skill, something that Allah gave you without you doing anything. That's called hav. Right? Uh, a portion of benefit that Allah gave you without you doing anything. Uh, hiba is an innate talent that Allah gave you. Some people just have a, a gift, a physical or mental or some innate gift, okay? So a person, if you if that's what you mean by saying good luck, then that's fine. I've seen shiuch say it. Good luck, meaning may Allah give you something even if just randomly. And then karam, karam is that Allah gives you something after you did something, and it's more than what you deserved. So you, these are the three meanings of al-hav, wal-karam, wal-hiba. A hiba never goes away. Okay, a hiba is something like it's a gift, but the question is, what will will it be a blessing for you or will it be a curse? That's a hiba, a mohiba, something that Allah gave you, like the ability to play basketball. Michael Jordan, whether he's a jerk or he's good, he knows how to play basketball. So the question is, is it a gift? Uh, is it blessed or is it cursed? Some people know how to make money. Abdurrahman bin Auf, 
He was gifted at business. He's just really good at it. So it's something that you can't go to school for. It's a gift. But the question for that gift now has become, is it a blessing for you or a curse? Al-karam is when you work hard at something, then Allah rewards you with the results. And the, and the nature of Allah's generosity is that he always rewards more than you deserve. So that's to understand the, these three meanings of hav and karam and hibah. Al-hiba, al-mawhiba is that part part of a talent you can't teach. It's a talent that you just can't, you can't teach this stuff. Like you can't teach some of these things, some of these skills that people have. That's what it means. Okay. So that's why the Prophet said engaged in all of these discussions. He had no hesitation because it is the life of his ummah. They live in the, the world. We have to talk about the world. So we can't also, you know, as much as we're trying to practice the deen and do it and everything, but we can't forget this, right? We can't exactly um, shut off the talk about the dunya. All right, so question from Ibrahim, what is hibba? Hibba, it's a gift that Allah gave you, like a talent, an innate, inborn talent, something you can't learn in school. You're just born with it. عن عمر بن العاص قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقبل بوجهه وحديثه على أشر القوم يتألفهم بذلك. He describes the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that no matter how bad a person's character was, when the Prophet would talk to him, he would face him with his entire body and talk to him to try to soften them with that. يتألفهم try to become close with them. فَكَانَ يُقْبِلُ بِوَجْهِهِ وَحَدِيثِهِ عَلَيَّ حَتَّى ظَنَنْتُ أَنِّي خَيْرُ الْقَوْمِ He would pay so much. SubhanAllah, there's a typo here. Amr ibn al-Asi. Amr ibn al-As. I was thinking, I never heard of this Sahabi before. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. But now I, but I remember this, this, this hadith. فَكَانَ يُقْبِلُ عَلَيَّ He used to turn his attention to me so much that I thought, okay, that I'm the best of the people. This is a famous hadith of Amr ibn As. I thought I was the best of people. So I said, who's, who's better, me or Abu Bakr? Like, he seems like you love me so much. Am I the best? Am I number one? Qala Abu Bakr. Prophet said Abu Bakr. فَقُلْتُ أَنَا خَيْرٌ أَمْ عُمَرٌ مِي عُمَرٌ سبحان الله قال عمر فقلت يا رسول الله أنا أم عثمان مي عثمان Prophet said عثمان سبحان الله The Prophet was being honest with me and I wish I had not asked the question سبحان الله Unbelievable قتيب بن سعيد أنبأنا جعفر بن سليمان عن ثابت عن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه قال خدمت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عشر سنين Ten years I served the messenger of Allah فما قال لي أفن قط أنس بن مالك Year 10 of his life was important, extremely important He lost his dad It was just him and his mom living 
And his mom thought, subhanAllah, what a best way to replace this father figure that was lost. What better way than uh, to now send him to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa So she, she said, I have devoted him to you. She, the Prophet sallallahu said, every morning, let him do what needs to be done in the house and for you, then send him to me. So around Duha time, which is between Fajr and Asr, Anas ibn Malik would make his way down to the mosque of the Prophet and look for the messenger. Where, where is Rasulullah? They say here or there. And he would go. And hang around the messenger and the Prophet, peace be upon him, would then say, oh, go get this, go do this. He would just sit around like an assistant. Come get that. This is part of our religion. It's part of the tarbiyah. is to be an assistant to a sheikh. It's one of the best parts of our tarbiyah, which is the idea that you go and, and, and have the youth serve the sheikh, right? Or, or serve in general, even if sometimes there's no shiuch around. But just go serve. So he says, I served him for 10 years. Now these 10 years, he was a child, 10 to 20. By, let's say 15, he's a young man now, right? 16, he's a young man. But let's say 10, 11, 12, 13. Okay. And now his mother got, got busy. So he spent all his time with the prophet. How his mother got busy by marrying Abu Talha. And this man was a very righteous Muslim man. And from Abu Talha, she had 10 boys. And these 10 boys were the young stepbrothers or, or half brothers of Anas bin Malik. They eventually, all of them became scholars. And so Anas bin Malik was like the little, was like the chief over a little tribe as he got older. Because he was the undisputed imam of this family. Okay. So if you ever hear Ibn Abi Talha, the sons of Abu Talha, you should know that they're the half-brothers of Anas bin Malik. That's where they got their knowledge from, from their half-brother, Anas bin Malik. So the, he says, the Prophet never once said, Uf to me. And one of the things I believe, Allah Adam, is just uh, one of the speculations is that why the Prophet never had a boy? We know the answer to that. Well, he himself said, if I had a son, he would have been a prophet because prophecy would have run in his lineage. But, and I'm the, he's the last of prophets. We know that. But there's another thing is that his tarbiyah would have been so perfect, it would have been impossible for us to emulate. I don't think that there's a single fa father that never had to be strict with their sons or daughters. Sons more than daughters. I, I, daughters is they're easy to raise in my personal opinion like of course there's girls gone wild phenomenon now and there's this all sorts of insanity and i actually when i look at some situations iblis is raising these kids and the parents are just so oblivious to it be it from the influences of school friends and phones like the way that they talk to their parents and they sometimes they they, they show this in like shows or movies or whatever and then the way in which these people talk to their parents I'm surprised, like, this would never happen. Like, you guys, you do not know how to raise kids. Do not ever talk to me about raising kids. And I'm directing this mainly at, actually, I'm not going to say which, which ethnic group or which, which culture so that some of them might be Muslims and, or might be watching and they get offended. But I think you know who you are. Your kids talk back to you. Your kids roll their eyes at you. Your kids never come and say hello to you. What, what happened to you? You do not know how to raise kids. Please do not have kids anymore because you're just producing this, this scourge on society. 
They're terrible. They don't know how to raise kids. But he never said oof once, which means he never exhaled, which means, okay, the idea that you're just so sick and tired of them. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you did this again. And in our modern world, we've made it impossible for a kid to be to 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 not do. We got too many gadgets. We got too many things. The 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 furniture is so nice. Everything is so nice. These kids can't do anything right. Any child is going to mess up everything. Every child will mess up things. We did something really weird in my house, which is that we have we put high gloss paint on the on the in the in the front in the downstairs which is weird nobody does that right but i'm like i gotta wash these walls all the time because you know the paint could be glossy or flat it glossy paint if a kid crayons on it or markers on it even you could wash it you could scrub 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 and it cleans it off but if you do that on a flat paint surface you're going to take the whole paint off you're going to smudge it up so badly so it's like this, you just childproof the house. Because kids, little kids will, will frustrate you not really from their own um, doing. They're just curious about stuff. Curious about stuff. So the prophet never once said, oof. And I believe the prophet would have, his parenting, nobody would have been able to, 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 to reach that level. So he only had girls. So then, وَمَا قَالَ لِي لِشَيْءٍ صَنَعْتُهُ نِمَا He never said to something that I did, why did you do this? And he never said to something that I didn't do, وَلَا لِشَيْءٍ تَرَكْتُهُ لِمَا تَرَكْتَهُ Why did you leave this? Why didn't you do this? He never said, why did you do this? Why didn't you do this? Now, little grammar thing here. In a past tense verb, if you're talking about yourself, you say, فَعَلْتُ Talking about somebody else, fa'alta. Ana fa'altu, anta fa'alta. You did. Fa'alta. Past tense. Ana fa'altu. And for a woman, anti fa'alti. And for someone who doesn't identify as a male or a woman and identifies something else, we don't have a word for you. Okay, so move on. Keep it moving. Get away from Arabic. Move on. Find someone else out there who's going to play games with you. وَكَانَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمَ مِنْ أَحْسَنِ النَّاسِ خُلُقًا And the Prophet وسلم, was from the best of people in character. وَلَا مَسِسْتُ خَزًّا وَلَا حَرِيرًا قَطَّ وَلَا شَيْئًا كَانَ أَلْيَنَ مِنْ كَفِّ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وسلم. He says here, He was of the best character, and I never touched anything of silk or anything soft that was softer than the palm of the Messenger. This is where we get the idea here that it is, in fact, a sunnah for your hands to be smooth. Maybe that applies to your feet too. Why? Because there are people who touch it, such as your wife, such as your, your kids. And if your hand is always rough, of course, some people, their hands are naturally going to be rough, right? Because they work with their hands. But it is a, uh, uh, we could say from the ways of the Prophet wasallam that in any way that people, people are involved, it's a sunnah 
to make that, to, to improve that. So your smell. How you smell. It's mandoop. It's mandoop. Uh, your hands. Aren't your wife going to touch your hands? So aren't your kids going to touch your hands? So it's, it's, it's a good thing to, soft, to make them soft for other people. Right? And that should not be associated with being soft in character. Nothing to do with that. Right? وَلَا شَمَمْتُ مِسْكًا قط وَلَا عِطْرًا And I never spent any musk or itr. What's the difference? Musk is taking from the sweat of a deer. Whereas قط, uh, uh, عِطْر is taking from wood. كَانَ أَطْيَبَ مِنْ عَرَقِرُ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَآلِهُ وَسَلَّمُ None of that was even um, close to the scent of the perspiration of the Prophet ﷺ. Next hadith is on Anas ibn Malik as well. عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم أنه كان عنده رجل به أثر سفرة. There was a man who had some yellow on it, on him. وكان صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم لا يكاد يواجه أحدا بشيء يكره. فلما قام so he had this yellowness on him. Now, what was, let's see with the commentary. I believe that this has to do with a marriage. That the man had, basically, it's like saying he had makeup blotches because he was just with his wife. But let's see if I'm correct about that because um, that's what I know about sufra. Allah Adam, we'll see here. It was, oh, the garment. Okay, it was the garment. He had a yellow garment on him. Now, at that time, the yellow garment was only worn by the pagans. Okay. The Prophet's point here, though, is that the Prophet did not want to bluntly tell anybody anything that they don't like. So he appointed to his friends, companion, go and advise him. Okay. Go and advise him. But Atharu Sufra, he's saying here that it's clothes. It was like some clothes, but it may have been also like there was makeup because the Sufra is mentioned in the hadith of Abdurrahman ibn Auf that he came to the Prophet wasallam shortly after he was in Medina and he came and they found Sufra on him. Which means that he was just like, and he and and he said, "I just got married." That's why they saw like some of that. It's almost like the makeup that women were wearing, and it a little bit got on him, well, his clothes or whatever. So that's one of the things that they said also happened to Abdurrahman ibn Auf. Okay, so that's how they knew he was married. So, either way, uh, in both in 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 the case of clothes. Any clothes, is yellow still haram for us? Yes, if it's the yellow sash of like the Tibetan bunks or the yellow scarves of the Hindus. Anything that has an immediate connotation to another group of people, it becomes makruh for us to wear. So we do, we do know that there are certain groups that wear certain things, right? Now, here's a good question. What happens if it's a sunnah but if it's a sunnah and at the same time it's been taken up by Qawmalut 
And the answer to that is that it would we would see or any group. Like for example, Kuhl is a sunnah for us, but it's also been taken up by Qumlut. So we would have to see in that setting, would people consider you Qumlut? Like are you imitate will what would they what would they view it as? Because all of these things are social sunan and, and rulings. If it doesn't apply anymore, it doesn't any longer it's not a rule anymore. So if there was a world in which nobody would ever no, no group ever wore a yellow scarf, then wear a yellow scarf, right? So or or wearing pink is not at any in any form viewed as a color associated for little girls. How is it? It's not like that in Pakistan. So the rice is pink in Pakistan. Everything is pink in Pakistan, right? So it's not like that. So you can wear it. So that's the idea. It's it's only it's a commonsensical ruling. And today, like okay, so I think that I'm trying to think of if if a guy wore all black all the time, it does have a connotation to us. Your product, it's like you're on the path to being a school shooter. If you wear, you know, what are they called, Doc Martens, and then all black and a black trench coat, and that's your outfit all the time, I'm worried about you, right? Okay, because that that's the that's the route of certain people. Next thing, your nails are going to become black. Next thing, you're going to be shooting some schools. So that's the the perception of those people. Of course, that's a big. It's not a stereotype. They did do that stuff. Like that's what Columbine was, and all these people who, it's a thing. I don't know what they call it these days. Right, what is it called? That's what they call that? Like very pale skin, depressed, hair down, all black. Lip, oh man. Yeah, what is a snake bite? Oh, okay, okay. So it's it's gonna, you know. That's basically, uh, huh? That's what it looks like, wow. That's crazy. So that's an example of, of, a, of a dress of a piece of... Goth, yeah, that's what we used to call it in the... Marilyn Manson is the founder of that look. Like, he's the inventor of that look. He's a complete... He should have been jailed just for being weird. What's the... What's what, That guy was a complete devil worshiper. I don't know what he's up to these days. But that's the idea. How do you get old with that stuff? Like, okay, you, you, you're crazy when you're 20s, a little bit in your 30s, but what happens, though, like when you're 60? And you got all these tattoos and holes in your face and so so weird. But that's an example. What else, right, what else is an example of shi'ar fisk? That's something that in itself would be halal, but it's an association with a group today that it would be considered fisk. What would, what would, that, what would another example be? Well, well, one really, I think it's really gay, like trend is like these guys wear uh, cross earrings earrings that are have a cross on it yeah like maybe it's not a religious association a cross why yeah. would they wear a cross christian so it's just a, it's a style like it's just what people wear so we would say like okay jewelry for muslims haram in the first place right okay oh here's one nose rings is acceptable totally in the desi culture mm. but for others it may have a whole nother yeah you know like it's not something common yeah, yeah. Right? It's not something common for people, for some other cultures. So maybe that's something that Allah had. Or like 10 piercings are all throughout the ears. 
Yeah. Right. Even if she wears hijab, but still, it's not something that's. I don't know. Maybe in our culture, it would be a bit excessive. So, that's the one thing. That's the idea about clothes. An Abi Ishaq, an Abi Abdullah al-Jadali, an Aisha radiyallahu ta'ala anha anha qalat, lam yakun Rasulullah Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallama fahishan, wala mutafahishan, wala sakhaban fil aswaq. The Prophet sallallahu never used foul language, never used obscene or um, vulgar language, never raised his voice in the marketplaces. That's something that we might not understand, but in the old marketplaces, there was always voices being raised, haggling for prices. Sellers would always yell out, which is fine, but the yelling for prices, which is the issue. Okay. Okay. And he doesn't re- reply a bad deed with another bad deed. Rather, he forgives and he lets go. Yafu wa yasfah. Okay. Yafu wa yasfah. Ma daraba Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam bi yadihi shay'an qat. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not strike anyone with his hand at all. Illa an yujahida fi sabilillah except in jihad. Except in jihad. Okay. Plague's pigeon is asking if someone is yelling around like, I got cold drinks, I got peanuts, that's a, that's acceptable. But what the prophet, when he never raised his voice, means yelling to bargain. Ha- like haggling, he would haggle, he would bargain in a good way. But the haggling where yelling, oh, blah, 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 that's not acceptable. That's not what he did. The Prophet did not hit anybody, raise his hand on anyone, okay, ever except in battle. Okay. War, of course, he fought wars. An Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha qalat, ma ra'aytu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallama muntasiran min madlamatin zulimaha qat ma lam yuntahak min maharim illahi shay. Fa'idhan tuhika من محارم الله شيء كان من أشدهم في ذلك غضبا وما خير بين أمرين إلا اختار أيسرهما ما لم يكن مأثما. So here the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, she said, Aisha says, the Prophet peace be upon him never uh, was oppressed in a worldly matter and then got angry and took action and avenged himself. Like he never sought. To chase after his own rights. However, if the rule of Allah was transgressed, then nobody had the anger of the Messenger. Nobody could bear his anger. If Allah's rules and Allah's rights were, were transgressed. And whenever he was given a choice between two things, he chose that which is more simple. And remember, this is not a methodology of religion. That's a methodology in worldly matters. That's why she says, as long as it did not lead to any type of sin. So this is the concept here, is that uh, Allah chose the easiest. That is not the way, that is not in his deen. What is the proof of that? The Prophet does not have choices in religion. He sets the sunnah. 
He doesn't have choices in religion, right? He is the one who is the founder of the religion, right? In the sense that the sunnah that he establishes is the sunnah. He doesn't have, who's giving him the choice? If it's a matter of religion, who's giving him the choice? That's why, that is a proof that this is not a hadith of usul, this is not an usul from usul al-fiqh. Because no one, who's giving the prophet a choice of what to do in the deen? Right? Either it comes in revelation or it's something that of a sunnah that he establishes. Okay? So the prophet is never which means something is making him choose. Who is making the prophet choose anything in religion? You got to understand this. Rebuttal to someone says, oh, uh, and I had a friend. I had a, in England. Whenever we would talk about fiqh, he says, Take the easiest of the madhabs. Because the Prophet was never given a choice, except he chose the easiest one. Not in deen. It was not a matter of deen, because no one was given the Prophet religious choices. It's of the dunya. Should we go this way? Should we go that way? Should we eat this for dinner or eat that for dinner? Like, which one is easier to cook? That one. Okay. Should we do this, that, or the other? Whatever is simpler. Of the dunya. So it's such an important concept because if we allow that other way, then what we're doing is we're basically using our whim and our nafs as the barrier of how to worship Allah or the filter of how to worship Allah. That's not the right way to do things. We've said it a million times. The methodology in deen is that you choose the imam that is most, most worthy of following. In our day and age, that's the madhab, the usul, the methodology that is most worthy of following. That's how you use your brain. And then you follow it. That's how it works. Study the madhab and then follow it for life after that. Next hadith. Hadith al-Thamin. استأذن رجل على رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم. A man took permission to enter another part of the Prophet, peace be upon him. وأنا عنده and I'm with him. فقال بئس ابن العشيرة أو أخو العشيرة. سبحان الله. ثم أذن له. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, a man came knocking. Okay. What did the Prophet Sallallahu say? Uh, when he saw who was knocking. He says, Bi'sa ibn al-Ashira. What a bad man in this community. What a bad man in the community. That's what the Prophet said. Why would the Prophet say that? He's saying that because this man has characteristics and qualities. He's showing, he's telling the, um, the, the people that are with him his opinion about this man. He wants them to know. And that's why if you are a ra'i, a ra'i is somebody that people are learning from you, okay? You're a shepherd for people. You take care of them. You should let them know your opinion about other people. Not as a backbiting uh, type of thing, but as you know my position on this, right? So every dad, I think, every mom, they voice their opinion when they see a kid that they don't want their kid to be like. And if you don't, in the name of, I don't want to backbite, I don't want to be bad, okay, so your kid takes the message that he could be like that. That's how simple it is, Right? You, at least the least you can say is I don't want you to be like that Don't go that route in life right? So the Prophet ﷺ said this So that 
the people there and who was there? Sayyidah Aisha was there. So she's going to pass it on that the Prophet doesn't like these qualities. Then he let him in. When he came in, the Prophet was nice to him. Now what would we say? Is this hypocrisy? No, it's not hypocrisy. Because you can have an opinion about someone, but when that person is a guest, you have to be nice to him. It's the same thing, like I have really strong opinions about things, and I make fun of things all the time, and I hate a lot of things. Okay, But if I see that person in front of me, or if I see those people in front of me, that you do have some obligations to be polite. It's, just, it's not good for your heart to be otherwise. But I want to stay away. Okay, And I hope they stay away from me. So what happens? When he left, I said, Sayyid Aisha, Ya Rasulullah, You said what you had said about this man. But then you were nice to him. Oh Aisha, the worst of people is the one who everyone flees from him. That means his, all his relationships are bad. Nobody likes him. Nobody likes him. Are they... There's a saying. Okay. If you meet a jerk once a month, that person's a jerk. If you meet a jerk every day, you're the jerk. It's a saying, basically. Like, not all, everyone can be bad. You can't have, oh, this person, he wronged me. This person did something bad. This person's terrible. Wait a second, hold on. Your record is pretty bad. You're only allowed, like, one or two enemies and rivals in life. But if everyone's your enemy in life, I think you're the problem. That's what the Prophet is saying here. The worst of people is the one who nobody wants to be around this person. Uh, or he says, uh, The people left him because they're afraid of his bad character. Right? In another narration, the Prophet said, it's explained that although the Prophet did not like him or his character, yet the messengers also commanded to be good to the guest so he was good to the guest the man knocked on his door what are you going to do okay. so you have to be good to the guest let's stop here because the next hadith is quite long and we can and we didn't do any q a last week so we're going to do q a here i'm going to first answer a question i'm not going to say the person's name but i want to record the answer assalamu alaikum sister Yes, it is true if bad things happen okay, that all bad things are, are in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when a bad, things happen, bad thing happens, it is from disbelief and it is the path of Iblis to now turn to Allah and ask, why, why did you do this? Because bad things don't happen by themselves. Bad things happen through other things. So you're supposed to turn your attention to the asbab the means. So it's not just the end result that is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The means. We human beings, if a bad thing happens, we have to turn our attention to the means and fix them. We don't turn our attention to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ask, why did you let this happen? So if, 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 if my kid gets beaten up, I don't go and say, ask Allah, why did you let this happen? I go to the means okay, and I try to change it from there. Uh, proof of that is that Iblis upon him is the lana of Allah. When, when he went 
and he refused to bow down to Adam. And then he got expelled. What happened to him? He said, Oh Allah, you made me do this. So this path of when a bad thing happens, that we turn our attention to Allah and say, why? Then that is the only from Iblis, nobody else. But when a bad thing happens, we see that there was something wrong in our behavior before this. Okay? And we have to fix that. Right? So we, are, we should turn our attention and our anger to what happened in the middle that this happened. Right? And fix that. That was an important thing I had to say to somebody. All right. Open QA today. Put your questions here. I'm not scrolling up. We're not scrolling up. If you want, open QA. Just put the question here now. Okay. Moab, is it permissible to work in a bank if you're not directly involved in giving out loans? Some have said yes. Because there are halal functions in a bank, which is guarding your wealth. Why is it said that Salah Ibrahimiyah is better than all other Salah? Only because the Messenger Wasallam said it. Is Bitcoin halal to invest in? According to many, yes. And according to some, Shafi'iyah from Egypt, no. Because you can't get your rights in court. It's not like a controlled... Um, look at these guests. Unbelievable. All we need is Ilyan and the trio is complete. MashaAllah. We got Oz. We got Kareem O'Day here. Yeah, we have a Texas invite. Maybe in the summer. No, I didn't see it, but they just emailed me. Yeah. Question. My local masjid is hosting yoga classes inside the mosque. Well, it depends what they're doing. If they're just stretching, stretching is fine. It's, it's, it's okay to stretch. The stretching aspect of it is fine. But if it's homes and mums and whatever and ohms and mumming and all that other thing that doesn't have to do with the body then that should just be edited out and the stretching is fine and i don't know if the poses to be honest with you i have no knowledge if these poses or whatever are in fact like represent you know representative hindus you have to ask somebody who cares about the subject and knows the answer to that shoot we, we we're missing a a nut here Okay, so anyone know, right? Are you familiar with like the yoga poses? Are they worshipful poses? By the way, some of these poses are not appropriate in the masjid. I hope they're doing it in the gym or something. Yeah, no, I usually Yeah. Okay, cancel all that. So just stretch, right? Yoga is stretching, right? You. Okay, so don't don't do those stretches. Don't call it that, but um, just do stretching. Regular old stretching. That's why you feel good at the end of the day. Breathe in and stretch. So your your breathing is getting better. Your lungs are getting stronger. I think they have to breathe in, hold it for a little bit. When you do that, your lungs getting stronger. And exhale, hold it. Your lungs getting stronger. And then you stretch. You feel happy. You feel good about yourself afterwards because of stretching. That's it. You also feel good about yourself and feel at peace because you can't be on a gadget while you're doing yoga. So you're actually fully focused and all your mind, your ideas are settled. That's actually one of the reasons why modern people benefit from this. But if you want to see really what goes on behind yoga, go to watch the Netflix documentary on Vikram Yoga, Bikram Yoga, whatever. Right? It's just a pervert. That's it. He likes to see women in these poses and, and wearing leggings. That's all it is. It's a summary. And all the guys are there to see all the women in the yoga pants too. That's the real summary of the matter. Go, go give me a guys-only yoga class. It's never going to happen. 
but it's mixed, all the guys will show up. And the back, too, right? Because of some of these poses... Are, are, are the reason that they're there. Male yoga instructor. That's something I never understood. No offense to anybody who's out there. But seriously. It's right up there with male gynecologists. Bina says, Can you please explain why we can ask Prophet for help in worldly matters? How does that differ from what Christians do with Mary? Well, I mean, istighatha, we, we know that it's mansus for the malaika by direct hadith and by qiyas to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I believe that it is haram in the Hanbali madhab, permitted in, some, in the other madhab. Uh, and the reason, the difference is that we don't believe that the Prophet ﷺ is the source. Rather, we believe he is the means. And that's the big difference. That is the main difference. Why it would not be a shirk. It would merely be something whether or not it is effective or not, or permitted or not, as an action. But no Muslim believes that the Messenger Sallallahu created this world and is the, distri- is, is the uh, giver. Ultimate giver is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As the Prophet himself says, Allahul Mu'ti wa al qasim. Allah gives, I merely distribute. So that's the difference there. So you should look at your local madahib and see what they say about it. Bibi says, my seven-year-old prays, but I don't think he recites anything while praying. He knows what to read. How do I get him to do that? He has... All of us as examples, and I encourage them to be grateful, etc. So, a seven year old, you have time because they're supposed to start praying at seven, but they're supposed to really get their prayer down right at 10. So, um, you have time to make sure that he's reciting what he's re- supposed to recite, right? Maybe he's born Hanafi. What, what, even when they're praying Dohr by themselves? Who knows, right? <laughs> You have to. Yeah. But if you're behind the imam, you can stay silent. In, yeah. Stay silent. Even if it's a silent prayer? Yeah. You stay silent. Oh, subhanAllah. So we, we recite in the silent prayer. In the, in the Maliki school, we recite in the silent prayer as a sunnah. Fadila. It's not something you have to do. You could stay silent the entire prayer. But of course, if he's reciting out loud, we have to stay silent and listen. So what is your status? You're switching over to Hanafi Fiqh? Wow, subhanAllah. <laughs> Dual degree. What's up? Al Madhabain. Yeah. That's good. We need that um versatility. Although we although we don't plan on offering Shafi fiq just yet, because two fix I think is good. Right? One of the powers of the Salafi or perceived powers is that they only have one fiqh. It's a perception that they have one fiqh. They have so many different opinions. But the idea that they just have one fiqh, that or that's what they think they have. But they have so many opinions inside of it. It's a, immediately it looks like a barrier to have multiple fiqhs, but in the long run, it's far um, more effective. Uh, this question is from Tasneem Search. She says, if a wird given to follow, and the statement is, this is enough and will protect you from everything, is there is no hadith on it protecting you on everything, I have a really hard time consolidating that. Well, the wird must consist of something from the sunnah that, that is a protection. Okay. And if not, then that statement is just someone's comment, right? And um, we just take it as that. It's not something I have to believe in. So someone says, listen, say this word, and it will protect you from everything. But that word does not have anything from the sunnah that would indicate that. Then I don't have to, I'm not going to believe, really take that comment seriously. Okay? It's just his belief. 
All right, the riddle we said in the Maliki Fik group chat on Arcfeud was, all right, let's see if Karima, you know this. You know the sin that was never committed. A prohibition that Allah laid down, nobody ever committed this prohibition. I'll let you think about it, and us too. I'll let everyone think about it. Ryan showed you an answer, okay. Yeah, you remembered it? You forgot it? Yeah, no, I, was, no, I remember it now. But okay. I was, like, really working I was thinking about it, yeah. Mm. Um, by the way, if you want to support this live stream, go to or take classes with us. We're talking about our classes. Arcview.org. Sign up and you'll get more than 40 classes pre-recorded alongside with it. And a lot of people are benefiting from these classes. They, they benefit probably from the WhatsApp group as much as the classes because they get to talk to people directly. And a lot of people don't have a lot of people to talk to. So I think a lot of people... Um, benefit from the whatsapp as much as they do from the lectures that are online so go to arcview.org and your journey of knowledge begins there virtual and recorded classes suzella rahim says if by spending time with the sheikh you are exposed to some flaws or a practice of deen or mindset according to one's nature or previous baggage how do you deal with this uh, we don't take any shiuch on the assumption that they are masum that's the first thing no, we don't. That's the first thing. When you go to a sheikh, you don't have to take him as masum. Um, especially sons, like the sons and the daughters of a, of a scholar, they will see like everything that is not the sheikh persona. Like they'll see all the other stuff, and they won't think much of their dad, right? But over time, that's the real test of someone: is the istiqama over time. Over 40 years, this person has been through so much and he still did it. That's why, that's what we should be investing in and not a persona or a fake heba. A heba is like an aura, right? And all this fakery is not something you have to worry about. Don't even worry about it for two seconds. Just worry, worry about the long game. And the long 40, 50 years of istiqama cannot be achieved if you're busy putting on a front. You should just be genuine. And the mature person, the mature person will recognize virtue is that virtue is not the externalities that make you a celebrity sheikh or make you some sheikh of a heba or whatever. That stuff is not important at all. And I think the Egyptians, they got that. They got that down. They know that. That's why they're very informal. Their shiuch are very informal. The Syrians are shocked when they see how Egyptian shiuch behave. Right? Syrians are utterly shocked. I remember Talib Ben from Syria. He went over and he had an appointment uh, with a sheikh in Morocco. So he gets to the train station and he's walking out and he leaves the train station and then he sees a man coming up with to him. This man, he has like a kufi and afternoon thobe on because in the heat, everyone goes inside. So he just had a home thobe in the street with a kufi and flip-flops. He said, hey, are you so-and-so? He said, okay, mashallah, come. He said, yeah. So then he says, uh, where, is it, where are we going to meet the sheikh? He said, I'm the sheikh, right? <laughs> He got the shock of his life. He's like, never ever would a sheikh of, of Syria come out in his home thobe with his flip-flops and a kufi to pick up the student. That would have never happened. But the point for us is, and this is my belief too, is that the real deal is only, it's shown and people have a mature enough to realize that keeping down the fundamentals for 30 and 40, 50 years, that itself is the biggest achievement. Putting on a front, anyone can do that. But you can't. It's just too, after a while, it's too heavy. 
and you're so unnatural. You're going to live an unnatural life, which is not to say that it's also not good. We're not blaming somebody who's formal by nature because Sayyidina Uthman was formal by nature. Sayyidina Uthman did not like, he was not comfortable around in, informal people. That's why the Prophet became formal when Sayyidina Uthman entered the room. So that's also not a aib on somebody who is by nature, his personality is formal. We shouldn't blame that. And the Syrian general uh, temperament or mizaj of Ahl sham is that they're formal. I, I would think that the British, the mizaj of the British is also very formal. The mizaj of the Americans is informal. There's mizaj, this idea of mizaj. And even the Egyptians are way more informal than the, Brit than the Americans. So it's... Did you get it, Karim? Should I say it, Ryan? No, no. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> so seeing the small flaws, okay, that's what it is. It's marrying the prophet's wives, the pro prohibition on marrying the prophet's wives. It was a one time. It was a prohibition that never uh, was committed. So, the, but but back to this question. Now, if you see the flaws of a person in the deen, you also have to weigh that. Is it a, is it a flaw in a fadila? Or is it a, is a moral flaw that causes you not to trust him anymore? That's the question. So if that's the case, that's more damning than just a fadila that he missed. Okay. Ultimately, if you truly have a sheikh as a guide, when I'm talking about spiritual guide, there's a lot of different types of shiuch. You can have an imam in life, right? It's different from a spiritual guide. Spiritual guide is a very sensitive thing. Don't go so close. Because if your trust and belief of his righteousness dips, you won't benefit anymore. So I'll be very hesitant to get close to that kind of sheikh. But if he could be your imam in life, like, like just a general leader, you can have all the flaws in he wants as long as he's competent at leading us and staying upon the right track and being effective in life, that's what matters. And he can have all sorts of issues beyond that. Like having a righteous king. The same thing. He, king may not be your sheikh, but he's my king. I live and die for him and, and I live under his, his shadow, right? And I'm part of his whatever. He could have whatever he wants. He's a guy like me, right? But he can do the job. That's the difference. Likewise, a fiqh teacher. He could take me to be mufti. But it's, it's not the same thing because all, I can assess his competence. I see the results right here. So it doesn't really make a difference if he's not polished in his, he's not perfected. But the sheikh of, of, of this, you know, the spiritual sheikh, it requires absolute utter belief that he is uh, uh, on the track of the Prophet wasallam, and he inspires your heart. So I keep a distance from that kind of a sheikh. Like I have that sheikh, but you would keep a distance because you never want that to be scratched. You never want that to be touched. Safa, Salah Nariya, it doesn't have to be said, the, the 4444 thing is something that was divided amongst people in a group. Other than that, you could say it however many times you want. And yet, and you could divide it up if you, different recitations, not, no problem at all. Uh, Khadija Asif, what about men having long hair? Uh, it should be makruh beyond the shoulder length, because that would be imitating women. Can you, Yusuf says, can you explain the name Allah that appreciates? Or you mean the Hamid? What does it mean that Allah is Shakur or Hamid? Hamid means he praises those who deserve to be praised. 
How does Allah praise people who deserve to be praised? By inspiring the people okay, to praise that person. And what does it mean that Allah is shakur? It means he rewards the good deeds that people do. That's the meaning of him being shakur. Because obviously Allah does not have to thank anybody, but it means he rewards the people for whatever good that they do. All right, let's now go. Why is divorce the greatest goal of Iblis while it's not haram? Because especially divorce, it really causes stagnation for people. I think anyone going through a divorce, we ask Allah, Afi and Salama, you see that that year is shot. It's not going to be productive that year. That year is miserable. And it's far, far worse if he has kids. If a person, uh, kids of divorce, they, they're traumatized. That's a real situation. You could say it's like a trauma for a kid. It's an emotional trauma. And now he doesn't have a dad that he lives with every day. That's really bad. And the goal of Iblis is to get people not to marry in the first place. And that's why you see difficulty in marriage is one of the goals of Iblis. One of my teachers, Abdul Hamid al-Mubarak, he always talks about this. The goal of Iblis is to complicate marriage. The goal of Iblis is to bring in ideas uh, for guys and girls that cause them to like hate marriage and hate the opposite gender and not want the commitment and all that stuff. And we see that happening now. I can't tell you how many guys like loathe women. By the way, it's something I wanted to say. There should be no loyalty to genders. No loyalty to ethnic group. No loyalty to anything except the haqq and the sharia. That's the only way we're going to survive as a community and a family. Like, there should be no... You should not have any sensitivity towards a person just because they're a guy. Any sensitivity just because they're white, black, or brown, or Egyptian, or Arab, or Desi. Like, no loyalty. There's only one loyalty. Otherwise, when we make judgments, we're going to have civil wars in our community and in our families. Like, as soon as someone comes up and we're like assessing what they said, the first thing is, wait, are you, are you softening to them because they're a woman and you're a woman? Right? Cancel. Are you softening to them? Wait, am I going to soften because he's a guy and I'm a guy? Cancel. That's, it's from what the Prophet said, it's filthy. Right? It's no different than I'm going to soften to a guy because he's Egyptian. I'll let him get away with a ton of stuff. I'm going to soften to a guy because he's American. Right? This is what the Prophet would talked about it being filthy, right? What would the Prophet Netina? It's rotten. It's because it's it, your judgment is rotten, right? Your judgment is clouded now. So I see all the time, like uh, sisters, they'll give a feminist view, like a little of a, a bit of a pass, and guys will see a red pill view and give it a bit of a pass, right? No passes, no loyalties. There's only one loyalty in our community, in our group. I don't want to be part of a group where guys have that leaning or girls have that leaning. And everyone, who, whatever they say, man, woman, whatever they say, able, disabled, black or white, I can assess his speech. I can weigh it against the Sharia. If he's black and he's wrong, he's wrong. If he's a black woman and she's wrong, she's wrong. If it's an Arab man and he's wrong, he's wrong. Right? And if he's right, he's right. We weigh it by the Sharia. And that which cannot be weighed by the Sharia, that's like Orfi, leave it. Don't say anything. Not right, not wrong. Right? It's his opinion. And if it's like a, a story that he told, a narrative, I can believe it or not believe it. Narrative means nothing to me. That's just your story of what happened to you in your life. I can't verify that or not verify it. Right? So I just leave it. Hanging in the balance. If you have evidence, then I'll believe it. Uh, narrative... If it's your wife, she's always right. 
Well, I mean, if your wife gives you narrative, you already assessed her that she's a trustworthy source, right? So yeah, then she is always right. I hate natural, these natural feelings. We have brains, right? Brain must conquer whim. Like the natural softness I'll have to somebody we should not be in assessing their speech. Yeah, I might want to hang out with them because we have a, a more in common. That's so different than assessing. Is this, is what they said good or bad? Oh, you mean like the truth value? That's what I'm saying. Being based on yes, the truth value. That's what I mean by that. So, so when the Prophet said, leave off this nationalism for it's filthy, what he meant by that is if you're using it as a filter of your moral, uh, of, your, of, your, of judgments on matters, it will rot. Your, your judgment will become rotten. There's no judgment except God's law. After that, we can say there are some other sources of truth that we can assess, but that's got to be the only uh, one that we go by. We got to make this, this got to be part of our teaching. All of us as Muslims, we have to, when someone speaks, you cannot handcuff me because of their race or their gender. I can't talk. What is this? It's destructive. You're going to allow people to, 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 to go astray like this, right? And because of their uh, 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 position, maybe they're like blessed or whatever they call them, privileged. We just say blessed, right? Because Allah created those things. Okay, so his dad was, was really rich. He's rich. He comes from the upper class. Does that mean he, nothing he can say is ever good? It's ridiculous. It's absurd. What time is it? 3.07. All right, we're wrapping up a couple questions. Had enough is putting three in one. Wow. Uh, he wants three questions in one shot. Prophet Wasallam would laugh at jokes when people would laugh from what I heard, but not at 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 a qillat adab. And he would not la laugh. He would not laugh if it was lacking in adab, and he would not laugh if it was um, involved cursing, or of course something um, that is backbiting. Either can you own a small dog? No, there's no dog ownership as a pet in Islam. Oh, my friend has a dog. So and so has a dog. Big whoopty. Is you thinking we're going to answer questions here for the people based upon friends that we have in the community? What do I care if they have Don't a dog? Say it's far from the medic. Go. We're doing rehab of the medic. Yeah. Exactly. All that. It's right in the Risale. He forbids it. Why did he forbid it? Because he, the Prophet said that an angel will not enter the house if it has a dog in it. The angels of Rahmah, the angel of the Sayyahin, will not enter the house. Of course, that recording angels always enter your house. Right? But the angels of mercy went on to the house. That's a prohibition. That's the basis of the prohibition. What, who, who's allowed to have dogs? Bedouins, nomads, mountain men, farmers, all those. They're, you're homeless? Get a dog. The Ashab al Kaf, they were homeless. They were traveling. They needed protection. Why? Because homeless needs protection. There's no house. The nomads don't have normal homes. Those aren't considered homes. He pitches a tent and that's it. The farmer, he has a home. But the dog is like part of the farm and, and they're, they, they also live differently. But the dog doesn't enter the house. The dog goes, lives in uh, like the stable. There are stables. Sophia says, what time is Madiki Fit class tonight? Uh, hey, Rai, what did we say last time? 6.30 to 7.30? Yeah, 6.30, right? Basically like shortly after. Yeah, just double check for us, please. 
Can a lack of enablement to do a specific good deed be a test? Yes, it could be a test. I find myself defensive about myself. Could that be from my nafs? Yes, it could be. I don't know about the specific case, but to defend ourselves, be defensive about ourselves, yes, it could be from the attributes of the nafs. Uh, Kareem, you have anything to add today? Us? How to be consistent in actions, spiritual and worldly, make them simple. Simplify the action and then always have a reminder. Especially if you drive around in America, if you, have, if you put your, your, your most important things on a, like a cue card right in front of the dashboard there, it's a great reminder. Every time you go in the car, you remind yourself. I have a question for you. Yep. How, like, you've been doing this for many years now. Yep. And you keep getting, like, the same questions, yep. right? So how do you stay, like, without kind of getting annoyed by those questions mm-hmm. and, you know, continue staying to answer them and... Um, you know, like staying consistent on that. Well, there's a teacher in a district in New York. She won Teacher of the Year 30 years straight. Hmm. How do you do that? 30 years straight? Like they didn't even want to give it for like just to look diverse in it? 30 years straight. And she would say that I always look at it very simply. For me, it's maybe the 30th time, but for him it's the first time. And it's so important to do these because there, all these people may be new. Like 20% of the people may be new every single time. Every single time we do Ramadan, how to fast or how to, uh, how to do, you know, how to practice Ramadan, how to do fasting, whatever. They're new people. So I always look at it as that's someone new. That's how you look at it. Also, I always go back to look at the great awliya. They did that. That was their practice. That they never shied away from from doing the ABCs. Why? Because that's you're now part of that Senate. How do I know that that person may not go on it and, and do such great things? I'll be part of that Senate, right? You're getting information, how to pray. That's, that's what I love about it. This is like your first doorway. High yeah, yeah. So a lot of people come through, so therefore the chances of someone being great is, 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 uh, increases the more you meet people. Uh, Sayyid Muhammad al-Alawi al-Maliki, his dad, Alawi al-Maliki, was asked many times to join the college, but he refused. He said, I love to be with the youth. I want to be with the youth. All right. Well, what else we have? Let's see from Instagram. Subhi. Whatever the prophet said of dhikr is the priority, he's right about that. Part of bid'ah is to render the dua or dhikr that is not from the sunnah to do muzahama, meaning to bump off the dhikr that is the sunnah. Um, is there a hadith that says after 18 years after the Iraq uh, war the Euphrates will dry up no there's no mention of years there is mention of the Euphrates will dry up but there is no mention of years alright what is a chef a ruling on istighatha do you know that Kareem by the way I don't remember I don't advise people to go around doing istighatha Nobody, nobody lives like this, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it, it's nonsense. Nobody does this. It's like maybe in a poem, maybe part of a vicar has it, but nobody goes around doing that. And I don't advise people to go around doing that. About so it's not uh, without any basis at all in knowledge either. They have a basis for what they're saying. 
One more question before we wrap up, and you can support this live stream by going to patreon.com backslash Safina Society, and you could support the live stream. You're getting the hasanat for that. It's going to be supported with or without you. No offense. But you can be part of getting these hasanat. How come we haven't found the island on which Gog and Magog live? Because they're not on an island, they're under the ground somewhere. Can you do a series on the end of times? Yeah, well, maybe we'll make a day after we finish the Shema'el or something. Maybe we'll find a time where we can do a little bit of that. Can you leave everything behind and just study the Dean? Well, maybe, depending on your life circumstances. Last question, Abdul Hadi. What does it mean, may Allah sanctify his secret? It means someone is trying to be cute and trying to be sufistic. And that's the people who talk like that. All these West Coast guys, right? This is how they talk. But Qaddas Allah Sirrahu is in the Arabic books. And what it means, the Sir is the deepest inner part of your heart. And Taqdis is to remove all flaws from it. That is the concept. But um, it's essentially, that's one of those things that, that bugs Eastern East Coast people the wrong way when you try to speak a different way act a different way, dress a different way, and be some unique thing when you're like 20 years old. You've accomplished nothing in life, in deen or community, right? You're not the real thing. And the East Coast tends to be more conservative. The West Coast is innovative. The West Coast will always bring unique things out. But the East Coast is always more about, um, like once the West Coast finds, creates something good, we take it and we make it permanent, right? We make it last. And that's why, maybe that's part of the culture. Maybe the other part of the culture is all the immigrants who come from, from no-nonsense cities, like a lot of the Italians that are here. The daisies from Karachi, it's really busy cities. There's no nonsense. Uh, they could sniff out someone who's full of BS. Cairo is no different than that. All these immigrants who live like that. Allah Adam, but that's just how it is. And um, these types of... Um, talk that's related to tasawwuf to me is a distraction from the real thing and you got people wasting their time on that stuff where the real thing is all about it's it's very can just consistent ibadah and hopeful dua and dhikr to allah dhikr of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over years and years and years and you will get you will get results i had mentioned the other day that one of the guarantees of the deen is that you're going to be happy. That's if you practice it properly because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is amin al hayatan tayyibah. We will give him a good life. Everyone who believes and does righteous deeds, we will make sure he lives a righteous, a good life. Like he's happy in his finances. He's happy in his marriage. He's happy with his kids. He's happy in his health. All that thing. That's hayatan tayyibah. In every way, shape, and form, right? He's satisfied and happy. So uh, that's a guarantee. So it's more about the work than all these superficialities, which I think are harmful for people because they do waste your time. Jazakumullah khairan everyone. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubu ilayk. Wal asr inna al-insana lafi khusr illa alladhina amanu aminu salihat وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته
Shiva.